Hey there, you're listening to the Quint. You're listening to a special podcast by Quint Fit. My name is Vaishali Sood and I'm the health editor with the Quint. As India enters the second week of a 21-day lockdown, the questions being asked are about the mental health impact of a policy like this. India has a massive massive mental health crisis. How do we even begin to address our mental health and anxiety and fear around what is happening around us in a situation that has us all locked in and isolated in our homes? I got an opportunity to sit down with Dr. Vikram Patel, professor, Department of Global Health and Population, Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and talk to him about some of these issues about the fear of pandemic listen in so first of all vaishali i want to really concur and share your anxiety about the impact of the latest policy not just on the mental health of 1.3 billion people but their physical health and their social well-being too uh, but we can turn to that in a moment because these are all of course connected to each other mental health doesn't sit in a vacuum uh, separate from physical health and social well-being uh, this is an experiment that has no precedence in history in human history neither in indian history or indeed the history of the world to put 1.3 billion people on a 21 day lockdown uh, without any adequate preparation for example for uh, getting people back to their homes uh, for ensuring that people are able to buy the necessary medicines and food although we are told that that is happening in some places let me tell you i live in a state called goa uh where until yesterday we had zero cases uh, reported and yet when i went to buy food uh, with my family at about 10 o'clock at night uh, just before uh, the lockdown was supposed to begin i actually was a part of the very first lathi charge that i experienced in my life where police came out of a van and started beating up people including shopkeepers who were trying to sell food to us this is incredible isn't it this wouldn't even happen in the most um, significant political crackdown uh, on dissent um this is actually a health emergency and this is what is happening now there are many different ways of course that uh, this sort of um, uh, uh, pandemic and the lockdown can affect our mental health and the things that really concern me are first of all the sweeping fear of misinformation the fear that is born by the fact that this idea that this disease yeah, is deadly actually it kills about 1% of people and almost all of them are over the age of 65 which means that about 95% of india's people are out of that risk uh, risk uh, uh, age group yet everyone is now fearful people are avoiding each other as if somehow each and every one of us is a living bomb and that we're about to infect the other with this deadly disease and this is a real tragedy of poor communication and in part i have to say that a uh, tragedy uh, the, the some of the responsibility is also uh, in the hands of my own colleagues in the public health science community a second important kind of anxiety is that of uncertainty every day the policies change every morning brings a new set of restrictions and therefore one doesn't even know what tomorrow will bring and this is something which is extremely stressful to the human mind not knowing what is going to happen tomorrow the third of course is isolation you know when people talk about uh, uh, uh social distancing actually as my colleague uh, uh, shekhar saxena has said recently actually the the terminology we should be using is physical distancing social distancing is the wrong terminology we all need human connection with one another and particularly at a time like this to maintain our good mental health and i really worry 
what the impact of this is going to be, particularly on older people where loneliness, as we already recognize, is a major cause of death. So I think in all these ways, um, Vaishali, I think both the pre-lockdown, that pandemic of fear, as well as now what is happening since the last 48 hours is going to create a much worsened mental health crisis in our country. Are we getting increasingly insensitive in our desire to impose certain policies? Are we not addressing the real issues that people are facing? I think the problem is that we, as in many, many previous occasions, are focusing only on a very specific policy goal and ignoring completely the more complex ecosystem that all of us reside in, not recognizing, for example, that a very hard policy that is aimed to achieve only one outcome can actually have many unintended impacts on a number of other outcomes. And so, for example, consider the, pa the panic that uh, the lockdown uh, and pre-lockdown policies have engendered. It has led, for example, to the panicky migration of millions of people from their urban homes where they work to the rural areas. Now, think about what this is doing. Paradoxically, it actually is perpetuating the spread of the virus to those rural areas. The very policy that was intended to contain the virus wherever it existed has actually contributed to its spread. And this kind of ill-thought policymaking um, is actually very poor policies for the whole ecosystem that we live in. We have to think of all the people who live in this country. Um, so I, I worry greatly about this kind of knee-jerk policymaking. We also have failed to learn from policies that other countries have used and used very effectively. Consider Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, and China, all of whom have either preempted the epidemic or been able to bring the epidemic under control without locking down the entire country. When the WHO head himself is saying, test, 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 we are barely testing. We are right now at the bottom of the uh, world uh, when it comes to testing. So if you're not going to test, we'll not find out how many people are infected. We, we can't make informed decisions. And hence, the entire country is on a, on a lockdown. So wh where are we failing? Uh, you know, is, do you also get that sense that, you know, is this the government getting away from its responsibility? That I don't, I can't say, but I do think this is a government that is in panic mode. And I wish that they had been advised more sensibly by uh, more sensible public health experts, uh, that they had been examining the effect of lockdowns in an incremental way, starting with those districts. In fact, the original policy, I think, was terrific. That is that they were planning a lockdown in those districts or clusters in which there were cases. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what China did um, in Wuhan. Uh, and I believe that that might have completely stayed off the epidemic. I'm still struggling to understand why, without allowing that particular more restricted lockdown policy to demonstrate its impact, why we rush into a nationwide lockdown. I don't understand. I'm not I'm obviously not privy to those inner workings of policymakers in New Delhi. Um, uh, I, I just hope that that is communicated more clearly. In any way, now the cat has, uh, as I say, the horse has bolted. And, uh, and I think what's more important now is to look forward and to make sure this lockdown is as brief as possible and that during this period uh, that all essential services are actually being accessed without any constraints. India's large population has no access to resources and the pandemic is going to have and the subsequent economic uh, finance, uh, outcome will be devastating for a lot of families in India. Uh, how are people to prepare for this changed reality? How do you how do you deal with the fact that you know your financial security suddenly is uh, is under question? 
You know, Vaishali, that's a million dollar question. I don't have an answer to that. Unfortunately, I have always been privileged enough to have a salary job all my life. I can't even begin to imagine what it must feel like to see your livelihood evaporate as dramatically and without warning as has affected hundreds of millions of my fellow Indian citizens. I cannot even imagine it. And I think for people like us, we have to just pause and think about these sorts of policies and the impact it has on people who live day by day on whatever they earn in that day and what is going to happen. And I think it's actually, um, obviously, it, uh, it, you know, in the short term, each of us should be contributing as much as we possibly can to the civil society initiatives that are trying uh, to address the economic livelihood of the people who are affected. But I really, really pray that the government steps in as swiftly as possible because ultimately it is the state's responsibility, not only to make a basic and essential services accessible to everyone, uh, but also to actually provide financial support to those uh, who have lost their jobs. I want to say one more thing about basic services. Those basic services must include healthcare. Let's not forget that there are tens of millions of people in our country today with various forms of chronic health conditions from diabetes to schizophrenia and we must not allow their conditions to worsen because all our attention is now drawn towards the management of people with the coronavirus infection. Um, can you imagine what would happen that we might save a few lives, but in the process lead to the death of thousands because actually we have ignored the healthcare needs of those with chronic diseases. And I tell you what, I actually know people, for example, who need dialysis, who have been unable to go for their daily dialysis because of the lockdown. And so you can begin to imagine what a catastrophic outcome that would be. And I think we need clear communication. We need clear and good, strong leadership. Um, this is what we need right now. Good, strong leadership from our governments to make it clear that these basic essentials of life will continue unhindered. I also wanted to speak to you about uh, the general insensitivity that we see in the society. Uh, uh, you know, every day you have scenes of people being beaten up, uh, you know, people who uh, may have tested positive or possibly COVID positive, uh, you know, being thrown out of their homes or isolated or ostracized. These are real issues and these are real people. And it's, uh, you know, it, a lot of it is fueled by misinformation and a lot of it is fueled by fear and anxiety in the population. So I just wanted to get your response to this. Yeah, Vaishali, I think you, you said it exactly right. And first of all, again, to say this is not only happening in India. Uh, for example, racial discrimination against people who look Chinese um, uh, is happening in many, many parts of the world. Um, so I don't think this is only true uh, of India. The, the vilification of people who have been infected or are suspected of being infected, that's happening in many parts of the world, etc. So this is a human catastrophe when such a very... Um, uh, such a threat to our public health is now translated into hatred and fear of people who are assumed to be actually uh, uh, risking the, the health of others. Um, of course, you're absolutely right. The reason why this is happening is entirely because of very poor communication. Uh, you know, the communication should have been not about the fear of getting the disease, but the responsibility that you have towards yourself and most importantly, the elderly people in your family, in your neighborhood, because they are the ones actually 
who we should be protecting the most and protecting them not only from getting the disease, but also protecting them from the obvious implications of, of um, physical distancing uh, that we discussed earlier. So instead of invoking our altruism, I think the inner instincts of empathy, uh, of caring for one another, which I believe each and every one of us has, um, we have instead invoked our feelings of fear and anxiety and terror, which makes us suspect one another, which makes us see the other person as an enemy, potentially, of my well-being. And I think this is such a tragic um, uh, consequence of poor communication that has happened. And let me be honest, Vaishali, this is not only the government, but this is also the media. And let me really place the responsibility partly onto your own community. Some of the media reportage on this has been outrageous. Uh, and I really hope that the journalist community recognizes their own responsibility in how to communicate more effectively, to build trust, to build solidarity. That's what we need. We need genuine solidarity. And even though I may have been critical uh, of the government, I have complete faith that the government is the most important steward of public well-being. And I believe that I stand with the government, even though I may disagree uh, with the, the extent of the lockdown, I do stand completely with the government in saying we must together as one nation see this particular crisis through. Uh, Doctor, just before we uh, wrap up, I want your um, advice, so to say, uh, for, for those of us, uh, not, not, not us so much, but people with chronic illnesses, elderly and people living alone um, across the country, how do they deal with the next 21 days? So I would say most importantly for people who have chronic diseases, please make sure that you do not um, elapse on any of the treatment that you should be taking. Obviously, that's easy for me to say. Uh, what about getting the particular care that you need? So I'm hoping very much that governments will ensure that every nursing home uh, can have its staff attend. I know that there are already many nursing homes and hospitals who are struggling to actually keep themselves running because their, their, their staff are actually not able to get to work. So I think... Um, Having uh, every single district must have a network of facilities that are providing essential medical care, and those should be very, uh, very clearly communicated. By the way, all of this should have happened before we had a lockdown. Um, you know, th this is the, this is trying to now uh, put into place the, the 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 system of support that should have been planned well before a lockdown was done. But anyway, better late than never. I think we should still do it now. And the second is for those older people, uh, obviously we do want to protect them. And I do agree with people who say we need to have physical distancing with older people. But physical distancing doesn't mean you can't actually be in the same house as them. It means that you have to pay heed to all the necessary uh, good practices that everyone knows about because it's been drilled into our head, you know, the hand washing, etc., etc. But not leaving older people to their own devices alone at home simply because you think that that is going to be better for you. I believe that physical distancing with good hygienic practices that minimize, in fact, completely eliminate the spread of coronavirus uh, is actually the right strategy uh, for the elderly who are, we are close to.